Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Gender Forking, a life and death podcast, aka Stephanie Meyer's Gender Swapped Twilight, but little did we know it is so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> So today in Forks, it is 52 degrees, and it there's a 60% chance of rain. Mm. So it's raining. Good day to be a vampire. Mm-hmm. Good day to go to school and see your vampire girlfriend. It has just been a wild ride. We've actually finished reading uh, Life and Death. Maybe we should talk about how that came to be. Yeah. So I realized there were only like, what, 30, 50 pages of the book Yeah, left. if that. And so I was like, oh, that looks like, you know, one episode. Let's read it out loud together and I read it to Sam while she and I were driving on a day trip that was completely consumed by my thinking of Twilight. <laughs> we read this in the car together mm-hmm. and then we both just read it again and we're actually going to do this the last two section, last two chapters, the last chapter in the epilogue. Um, they're each going to have their own episode because there's just so much. Mm-hmm. Um, as we left off with in the last episode, it left off with Bo probably being changed into a vampire, which is obviously the exact opposite of what happens in Twilight. Right. So if you're familiar with Twilight, throw everything yeah. out the window from because here nothing on out, matters. From here on out, it's completely different. Like, yeah. it's the same universe and there are some of the same people, but, like, the so, plot is entirely yeah. different. Major life and death spoilers yes. coming up in this episode. Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised that I hadn't heard about this Me too. before. Me too. I assume the internet would be, like, what? Yeah, I, like, does no one, like, does, I think maybe it's, like, with, like, a Harry Harry Potter and the Cursed Child thing, like, mm. and no one accepts it as canon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe people just don't care. I mean, we've only been on the, the, the Tumblr scene for Twilight for, like, a month as, like, Twilight bloggers, mm-hmm. but, I mean, we've been in the yeah. fandom for much longer and haven't heard anything about this book that came out three years ago. Right. I feel like people probably, like ingested it at the time and then maybe didn't process the trauma of reading (laughs) no but like they probably didn't they probably made their shit posts Mm -hmm. and it was probably really funny for like a few few weeks and then Mm -hmm. everyone was like anyway yeah we got what we needed from that which is we got what we needed from that which is just edith Uh and bella Mm -hmm. crossovers Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. we're going to spend this episode of Gender Forking, talking about chapter 24 of Life and Death, which mm-hmm. is called Change, mm. and boy, boy is, is it, it change. <laughs> yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts about this, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are negative, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah. Yep, I'm eating a muffin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> first, let's, let's address the first line of the chapter. Yeah. Which shook me to my core. Well, read the, cha- read the line before. Oh yeah, okay. All right. On the page before, Edith is like, he deserves a choice. And then she's like, Bo, I won't make this decision for you. I won't take this away from you. And I'll understand. I promise. Blah, blah, blah. Tell me what you want, Bo. Anything. You, I spit through my teeth. Just you. (laughs) Whatever. And then the first line of chapter 24 is, I ended up changing my mind. And I was like, oh my god. Have I just spent a whole full 24 hours imagining... That Bo was going to turn into a vampire mm-hmm. and then just having him die. Mm-hmm. Clickbait. 
However, that is not the case. <laughs> not it the was case. just clickbait. <laughs> so, Bo is becoming a vampire throughout this whole chapter, or most of the chapter. Mm-hmm. He is experiencing a lot of pain. He is screaming. He is burning because it's the venom burns. It's like an extremely painful process, um, as he has been made aware. And we know that it'll last about three days. While he's being transformed into a vampire, he's being transported back to Forks mm-hmm. with... I mean, it, we don't really know. He's not super aware of what's happening. We actually don't even know what happened to Joss. I'm pretty sure that we're supposed to assume that, like, Bo was just so out of it at the end of that, like, whole experience that... Yeah. He completely missed Yeah. what was going on in the background while... Edith and Archie and Kareen were like, yo, what do we do? Yeah. Um, Presumably Eleanor and Jasmine and maybe Ernest, mm-hmm. I don't know, were like killed Joss because mm-hmm. that's kind of what happens in Twilight and we can assume that, but it, we don't, we don't get confirmation that Joss is dead until like at the end <clears throat> of this chapter and they spend like the three days that Bo is in pain, like telling, telling him so many things about being a vampire and they like don't even tell him about what happened to the person who was yeah. trying to kill him. So imagine... New Moon, Eclipse, and Half of Breaking Dawn mm-hmm. put into 30 pages. 30 pages. Not even. Not even. That's the rest of this book. The rest of this book is entirely yeah. just, like, it could have been developed into probably, like, the same length of series as yeah. Twilight was, it's but just... Stephanie Meyer instead decided to be very self-indulgent mm-hmm. and just write about whatever she wanted to include for details for the next yes. 30 pages and it just comes off so rushed and like it's incredibly rushed it feels like such a cop-out because we know that she didn't probably just didn't want to write another book but she definitely could have with all the information she was trying to stuff into the end of life and death and it's like i'm not gonna demand a lot of her because it's her life and she can write whatever she wants but like if she really fell in love with these characters in the way that she said she did (laughs) and if she really enjoyed writing the end of this okay yeah, if she really enjoyed enjoy like writing the end of this as she like seemed to be so like proud of herself at the end and the afterward, which is such a slap in the face. Like why wouldn't you care enough to be like, Oh, I could totally write like another book on this. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into the details and we'll try to stick to just talking about chapter twenty four, yeah. but <laughs> we probably won't succeed. But the whole point of her writing this book was to do a quote unquote gender swap and be like, Well, it's not any different. And, like, it's the exact same story when I change the gender of the characters, mm-hmm. and then she just changes the entire story. <laughs> she sure But does. it would have been so much more interesting if all the information that they gave to Bo at the end of the story was, like, dispersed throughout the book. Yeah. Because there's no reason why, like, in this section, the information that they're giving is kind of, like, it's information about the Volturi, it's information about werewolves, it's yeah. information about, about the color everyone's history. backstories, and, like, there's really no reason why, if... Stephanie knew that this was going to be it, that Jessamine couldn't have told Bo, like, her story mm-hmm. a couple chapters earlier in the hotel when Bo asked, like... Even if not the whole story, just, like, an inkling. Just... Anything. And because <laughs> this isn't the whole story that we're given in this ch- in this chunk. Yeah, it's but, not. It's very, very brief. But it's, like... It's implied you, that it's the same. You could have done that earlier, and yeah. it wouldn't have felt so, like, okay, who's next? Yeah. Like... It's very bizarre. It, this whole sequence is very bizarre. We can go through in Let's, order. We're gonna go... We should, yeah, yeah, so we should go through it. So... First, before we even get there, something that I've observed in this whole, like, thing is that Edith is sitting with Bo, like, almost... Like, pretty much the entire time they're going mm-hmm. off the hunt. When Edith is talking to Bo, she seems the most like Edward that I have yes. observed in the entire book. Yeah. And she is very torn up about changing Bo, feels horrible about it, and is, like, 
really um tapping into that like edward like self deprecation uh, deprecation and like hatred we also get edith and archie discussing how Bo may not want to be a vegetarian and like live the Cullen's lifestyle. Yeah. Which like obviously he'll want to and he right. does. It's like have you met Bo? Yeah. <laughs> so they are discussing that and they don't they think that he's gonna be like vampire newborns are, which is like very much out of control and like bloodthirsty and stuff like that. Yeah. So Edith is just like beside herself. Edith is just like I feel like she's being like kind of blinded by the trauma of what she just had to do. Yeah. Um, because she wasn't really okay. Kareem, most of the time, had been able to put at least a day or two of thought into the process of changing someone, mm-hmm. whereas, like, Edith, in this situation, was not prepared to do yeah. what she did. It was and completely sprung on her. I'm sure that, like, not only is that physically difficult for her, mm-hmm. but it's also very emotionally difficult because she wasn't prepared for the emotions of, like, having to make that call Mm -hmm. and like she did let Bo make that call but like she also had to make the call of like am I prepared to do this like she knew that Archie would do it if she didn't but I have an appreciation for that and it kind of makes her self-deprecation and hatred a little more understandable than Edward's yeah because like Edward Edward's self-deprecation is not it doesn't feel as much like his grieving for Bella's human life it feels more like grieving for his own human life. Yeah. In this section, we just get um, an obscene amount of information about all the stuff that Bella learns throughout the rest of the saga and the yeah. Twilight Saga. Um, it's kind of like Vampire 101, but like the condensed summer course that yeah. like, you have to take because you failed it the first time. And then a little bit different yeah. at Stephanie Meyer's own whim. <laughs> um, right, yeah. I think the most jarring thing about this was the Volturi stuff. Absolutely. So we know from earlier in the book when... Bo first goes to the Cullen's house, he sees the portrait of Kareen with the Volturi. We don't know the, the Volturi at the time, but mm-hmm. it's it's Marcus, and then it's Sulpicia, Athenodora, and mm-hmm. uh, Mele, and we're like, okay, we know that in Twilight, it's it's the other Volturi, it's um, Marcus and Aro and, and Caius, so that's different. And then Edith explains to Bo while he's like in pain, becoming a vampire, that it's this whole thing, we should just go through it. Okay, so you're telling me... <laughs> That the characters, so yeah, it's it's worth noting now that the characters that are purposefully not swapped, yes, and are given a coup, yeah, are these characters? Yes, it's the Volturi. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, Stephanie looked at this book and she, in her own words, said like these char- these two characters specifically, were really given the shaft, and they really had the hardest time of all. And it's the fucking Volturi is yeah. who she landed on. Marcus, maybe specifically. I'd, Marcus, I don't hello? know. Hello, <laughs> hello. Marcus, who wants to die? <laughs> yeah, like hello. Like in in what in what world did the Volturi have it harder than like let's let's make a list, Charlie? Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely gets it worse. In this definitely book. gets it worse. Fucking. Literally Bree everyone. Bree Tanner. Bree Tanner. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, Just Laurent. Like Laurent. Even fucking Victoria. Yeah, so this is Bo narrating, giving, like, a synopsis of of the history of the Volturi that Edith is telling him. So basically what happened is there were six of the Volturi in charge, which is, like, Aro and Caius and Marcus and then, like, their wives, I think, 
or basically some combination of that. Someone named Aro had murdered his sister, his best friend's wife. The best friend was Marcus. He was the man I'd seen standing with Corrine. Aro's own wife, Sulpicia, the one with all the masses of dark hair in the painting, had been the only witness. She turned him over to Marcus and their soldiers. There had been some question of what to do. Aro had a very powerful extra gift, like what Edith had, but more. And basically what they have is melee has this power, she can take other vampires' gifts. So before they kill Aro, they take his gift and give it to Sulpicia, which is just, like, unnecessary because it doesn't serve any purpose in the story from here on out. I guess it kind of, like, references the struggles where the Volturi are, in addition to being concerned with the survival and, like, protection of vampires, they're also elitists yeah. that are, like, very interested in developing higher powers yeah they're very interested in collecting powers maybe it's like a reference to that yeah and like and like reassuring the readers that or just kind of like they still have that power that they still have that interest yeah they still have like the need to collect supernatural powers Mm -hmm. beyond like the typical vampire experience yeah they kill caius and then it says, Athenodora joined with Sulpicia and Marcus to lead their soldiers. They overthrew the vampires who terrorized Europe and then the ones who enslaved Egypt. Once they were in charge, they made regulations that would keep the vampire world hidden and safe. And then Edith is also explaining, like, the the rules of being a vampire. Yeah. So, like, that's just, that's a huge difference that Stephanie Meyer has chosen to make. As Stephanie says in the afterward yeah. that she thinks that this change, and Sulpicia being, like, ultimately the head honcho, mm-hmm. she thinks that this change means that the Volturi will be more forgiving. Yeah. And less, like, corrupt. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is something that is interesting to speculate about. Yeah, it's hard to say. The ramifications of that difference. I mean, that's putting it all on, like, just the character differences between Mm -hmm. Aro and Sulpicia. Yeah. And we don't really know Sulpicia at all. So it's not really... We can't tell. And also, it's, like, it's still the Volturi. Like, they still exist. They're still, like, the biggest power structure of the vampire world. Mm -hmm. And they exist for arguably the same purpose. And, like, there's going to be a level of corruption there no matter what. Because it's systemically, like, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. It also begs the question, like, what other Volturi members are there? Like, Alec, Jane... Like, are they, are they still, still there? Are they gender swapped? Are they like, gender swapped? Like, we don't know that information. It could be that Sulpicia keeps it smaller. We're not aware. Yeah. So that's bizarre, and Choices. we're not really sure why <laughs> that's a part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just there so that Stephanie can be like... She just wanted to explore that. I think she wanted to explore it, and I also think that if she didn't explore it, people would be like, what about the Volturi? Yeah, and it she... closes up the possibility yeah. of, of, of that. Maybe, arguably. I would argue not, actually, yeah. but... I think if she w- what she wanted to do was make this so it couldn't have a sequel, she didn't do it. Yeah, for more reasons than just that, actually. Yeah. But we also learn about um, the Denali's mm-hmm. um, very quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have some different names here. We have Kirill, K-I-R-I-L-O. Sounds like a fish. Like it does. Krill. Like, like Krill, yeah. And then Elena. Um, those are the only two actual names that we yeah. get. And then... But yeah. they, they're they referred to as three Russian brothers and two Spanish vampires. vampires. Um, and I just would like to say that three Russian brothers sounds like a craft brewery. <laughs> and I will be exploring that venture. <laughs> a vampire craft brewery out of Denali. Can you imagine? <laughs> three Russian brothers. Like, what a great... <laughs> like, we're gonna make... Like, they're gonna make vampire beer. It's just blood. 
but it's just blood, but it's different. It's like, like craft. fermented craft blood. <laughs> craft blood. Craft blood. But it's gonna it's gonna change the diet of vampires across the world because it's gonna be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna wow. it's gonna be animal blood. Yeah, because they're vegetarian. And it's gonna be a craft blood brewery. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be like sustainable and like it's gonna just revolutionize the vampire experience. Wow. Thanks, beer. <laughs> I am writing this. <laughs> Oh, I've just been informed that that's the plot of True Blood. I've never seen True Blood. And I've never seen True Blood. <laughs> so. The plot of True Blood is that True Blood is a drink. Uh-huh. A blood substitute. And that's what allows vampires to go public. Oh. oh. I can't believe that you invented True Blood. <laughs> I invented True Blood. <laughs> Literally had no idea. I had no idea. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, well, my dreams are crushed. Yeah. But True Blood, but in the vampire, like in the, in the Twilight, Twilight universe. universe, a crossover, if you a will. crossover hit. <laughs> oh, something insignificant that we learn, or we think it's insignificant, but it's one of the first things that Edith tells Bo is mm-hmm. that his blue eyes are gone. Oh, he won't and have blue she eyes cries anymore. About it. She literally like sobs. She literally cries. Yeah. And then we kind of get the information about how the Cullens live their lives. Bo says, I would be able to run faster than a race car and stronger than any living species on the planet. His greatest, his greatest desire so far, apparently. Oh. However, Mm -hmm. we also learn about werewolves immediately after the Denali's. Yes, we get werewolves. We get werewolves and we get the Cullens' backgrounds. So, it says, Corrine sat on the ground next to me and told me the most amazing story about Jules' family, that her great-grandmother had actually been a werewolf all the things Jules has talked about. A frame of black. A frame of black. A frame of black. A frame of All the things Jules had scoffed about were straight history. Straight history. Straight history. Can you the believe? name of this podcast. Yeah. Corrine told me she'd promised them she would never bite another human. It was part of the treaty between them. The treaty meant the Cullens could never go due west to the ocean. This is interesting. So in this universe, only Corrine is bound to this treaty. I double checked this on the Twilight Wiki, and in Twilight, it's it's canon that all vampires are held to that standard. Yeah, like all of the Cullens are held to that standard yeah. in the Twilight universe, but only which makes Kareen. sense. Yeah, but in this universe, apparently, it's only Kareen, which makes no sense. Which makes absolutely no sense. It makes no. no sense, and it's not explained at all. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and then we so we get Jessamine's story. Jessamine uh, was also involved with the army. Mm-hmm. And it, that's all we really get. It's cryptic. It doesn't say during what time period. No. Nope. It doesn't say what, like, if, if she's, she's a soldier. It doesn't like, say she's, like, a soldier. It just says she's involved with the war and the army and, like, carnage and... And death. death. And then breaking free. And then finding Archie. Which is the overall theme, but I think it's kind of irresponsible to, <laughs> so, like, leave out. Yeah, because we get the details of other people's stories. Yeah, and it's just stupid because it's like, it gives you a lot more to work with with Jessamine, who's like a very underdeveloped character at this point. Yeah, extremely. It gives you the fact that she was a southerner, which is um, different gender-wise, of course. Well, everything is. Yeah. But it's different to be a southern woman Yeah, which isn't, doesn't say southern here either. Yeah, and, it, and versus a southern man, and like, it like eliminates that nuance yeah yeah it, it doesn't get into the confederacy issue that i wish it would mm-hmm. we were very curious about ernest's story and we yes. get it very briefly here it says ernest told me about how his life had ended before he killed himself about how his unstable alcoholic wife and the daughter he'd loved more than his own soul 
He told me about the night when his wife and a drunken rampage had jumped off a cliff with his little daughter in his arms and how he hadn't been able to do anything else but follow after them. And then he found Kareen. And it's like, that's literally so different from Esme's story. It's different because, we, as we've already explored, the age yes. is different. It's different, different because this daughter doesn't die of illness or yeah. whatever. She's, She's murdered. Murdered by Ernest's wife. Who's an alcoholic which is different, which is very serious and also very different from an abusive husband. Yeah. It's, and it's different from killing yourself to escape that despair versus, like, following mm-hmm. your wife and child off of a cliff. Yeah, and I, I don't even, like, of course Ernest would know, probably remember his intentions, but, like, I wouldn't even necessarily classify that as a suicide attempt. If, yeah, it's very unclear. If, like, if Ernest doesn't say, like, oh, yeah, I was actually following them because I wanted to die, or, like, versus, like, that just being your gut reaction to, like, to chase go after, them. after them. Yeah. It, it is described as the, how his life had ended before he'd killed himself, which, like, I mean. Yeah. It's, like. He didn't say that, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We don't know the details of that of that moment. It's also plausible that, like, Ernest's wife could have survived that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> but, and, and, and I don't, I don't think she did. Yeah. But I think that that also makes it different because just in this post going around Tumblr recently, someone asked Panlight, which is a popular Twilight blog and mm-hmm. one of our favorites, mm-hmm. what the cover-up story for Esme was. Yeah. And it talks about how, like, Carlisle probably, like, fabricated some remains and said that she died, like, from an illness or something like that um, in order to protect Esme from her husband coming after her. Yeah. Um, Which I think is something that is different because, like, as Esme wakes up and is a vampire, um, she still is probably checking over her shoulder to make sure her abusive husband doesn't find her. Yeah. Um, Because at this point, they're the same age and they are like she's like not so different that she's not recognizable and like she would probably end up accidentally killing him if he found her and i think it's reasonable to say that he would probably go looking because he also is now missing a child and a wife Mm -hmm. and the fact that ernest's wife is presumably dead or like close to it when ernest wakes up as a vampire is like it's a different reality different yeah we get Eleanor's background, which is pretty much the same, because it's probably the simplest backstory that we have. We yeah. don't get much for Emmett or Eleanor, just being attacked by a bear and then being saved by um, Royal. And But then Eleanor also is the one who tells Bo that Victor got away. Yeah. I did notice in Eleanor's story that Eleanor was like, I thought I went to hell and I probably deserved it. Where? In Eleanor's backstory. In here? Yeah. When Eleanor is like, when I woke up at first, Oh, I justly, thought, yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought I was going... Like, Eleanor thought during, like, the transformation that, that she was in hell. Yeah, she, um, she told me... Probably the burning. Yeah, it says she told me how she thought at first she'd been sent to hell. Justly, she admitted. And then how she got into heaven after all. Yeah, maybe it could, it could have been because of the burning. Maybe, but it makes me wonder why she would say justly. Yeah. Like, why did Eleanor think that she deserved to go to hell? Mm. We don't really know much about Emmett or Eleanor's, like previous human life Mm -hmm. except for that they lived in the Appalachian mountains presumably and I guess we're kind of outdoorsy if they encountered a bear yeah 
if Eleanor is admitting still, like, justly that they feel like it would be just if they went to hell. Yeah. Like, they probably remember something about themselves that they don't Which we don't like, even that get, we don't get in Twilight. Yeah, we don't know right, what that, that is. Yeah, in the saga. It's an interesting choice. It kind of, like, makes you think of Emmett or Eleanor as, like, a morally dubious human. Yeah. And Royal also gives his story, which is very interesting, and, like, I'm a little bit surprised that Royal would tell his story to Bo, but... Perhaps most different, I think, also. Yes, this might be the most... the most different. Let me read it out loud. He says, He told me about a life consumed with vanity, with material things, with ambition. He told me about the only daughter of a powerful man, exactly what kind of power this man wielded, Royal hadn't entirely understood, and how Royal had planned to marry her and become heir to the dynasty, how the beautiful daughter pretended to love him to please her father, and how she had watched when her lover from a rival criminal syndicate had royal beaten to death how she'd laughed aloud the whole time he told me about the revenge he'd gotten royal was least careful with his words he told me about losing his family and how none of this was worth what he'd lost Mm -hmm. so royal is um beat to death by a gang like this is all like mob violence which is very different Mm -hmm. from royal uh rosalie being raped and beaten to death yeah by her fiance and his friends Mm -hmm. It's, like, an entirely different situation. I also think that the characterization (laughs) of Royal is different than the characterization of Rosalie because I don't think that, like, when Royal's saying, like, I was, like, so consumed with, like, vanity and material things, I... I don't think that's true for Rosalie, like, pre-vampire, but for, like, pre-transformation. I think she was a typical, like, old girl who was, like... Just, like, I don't think she was especially consumed with vanity and yeah, materialism. Yeah, she's just beautiful. And she's not drawn to Roy because of his status. Yeah. Roy, is it? Roy, which I thought was irresponsibly close to the name Royal. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think that she's drawn to him because of, like, a, a dynasty or an... No, she has no idea. She just wants attention. She's young and she wants to yeah. be loved. She's experiencing first love and, like it's she was she's raised to believe that like this is important marriage is an important status symbol for her right whereas royal it seems like is making more of the conscious choice to like marry up and like inherit things which i guess wouldn't even be a possibility for rosalie because she wouldn't be able to inherit inherit things it just gives off like this different character completely yeah not to mention that like getting caught up in mob violence is not the same thing as being raped by your partner and his friends absolutely also the hair (laughs) like (laughs) let's talk about the hair again because now that we know the backstory at the time period long hair on a guy not a thing not really yeah also out of of time especially if you're with the upper classes Mm -hmm. and mingling among the upper classes because like that is where it's the most important to fit in. Yeah. Like, you don't have quirky people that are, like, trying new experimental things yeah. that fit in with, like, higher society. Mm-hmm. Like, those are outcasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it just feels weird that Stephanie chose to, the like, hair doesn't keep translate. the long hair. Yeah. The hair doesn't I, translate to royal. Yeah. I understand that, like, Rosalie's hair is important to her, mm-hmm. but, like... Royal's hair can be important to him and not be long. Yeah. We also get in the section that Victor actually got away. So, like, there could absolutely 100% be a sequel. Absolutely. Except it's implied. It says, he must have assumed that Joss had lost the fight and realized it was smarter to, to disappear, which Victoria does, and then she 
comes back because yeah. she's angry. And, like, if it's the same character, like, she would, he, Victor would come back as well. There could very easily be a sequel there, and but Stephanie so it's alludes kind of interesting. To that, like, not to the possibility of her writing one, but she alludes to the possibility of a sequel existing by saying, like, you're free to speculate on what would happen. Like, is Victor coming back? Blah, blah, blah. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't like, he? It would definitely be a different story because, like, mm-hmm. Bo is not, like, as fragile anymore. Mm-hmm. And it would be, like, a more even fight. And mm-hmm. everyone would be able to be present and... We would lose the tent scene and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jules doesn't really feel as relevant anymore. Yeah. So that's still kind of confusing to me. And that's that'll that's more relevant in the next section. But sure. So that's kind of it for, like, the insane amount of information that Bo gets yeah. while he's turning into a vampire. And then he, he wakes up as a yep. vampire. And there's some... It feels like there's some Breaking Dawn parallels, too. Breaking Dawn Part 3, where Bella wakes up as a vampire in the things that Bo, Bo slash Bella experiences and, like, the new senses, but, mm-hmm. um, and when, um, going hunting. But I think that the biggest difference here is the conversation that Bo and Edith need to have because yeah. th- they have not been together for very long and mm-hmm. they have not discussed the possibility of Bo becoming a vampire. They have not discussed, like, whether that's something that Edith wants. Like, right. does she want, like, obviously she wants to spend the rest of her existence with him, but, like... They haven't talked about it, they so it's, like, a very different situation. Yeah, they don't... They haven't vocalized the forever commitment yeah. in the way that Bella and Edward had at that point because Bella and Edward were literally married. Yeah, they were married. So, like, they were already in it for the long run. Yeah, they were married and like, they had a child. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. they were married and... Yeah. Yeah. So... Married with kids? They, they knew that they were going to be part of each other's lives forever. Yeah. Um, Edith even mentions, like, if you don't want me with you, you're free to go be on your own. I'll teach you what you need to do in order to be a successful vampire and, mm-hmm. like, I'll let you go. And Bo is like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Which is, like, <laughs> funny. And then he's also like, <clears throat> obviously I'm gonna, like, not kill humans and I'm gonna, like, live the same lifestyle as you. Yeah. And it becomes clear that, just like Bella, Bo has, like, super self-control as a newborn mm-hmm. vampire, which is sort of explained in Breaking Dawn as Bella making an extremely conscious choice and having so much time and preparation like knowing that she's going to become a vampire eventually and Bo like has barely vocalized that this is something that he's interested in um even though he he does know about vampires and so I would understand like why he would have some self-control but it's literally the same amount of self-control that Bella has yeah it's really which is really interesting except for maybe the fact that he was like screaming when he's being transformed whereas Bella yeah. was stayed absolutely silent mm-hmm it also might be an attest like it might be a, a a testimony to Bella, I would say, Bo, though in worse shape than Bella was at the end of Twilight, mm-hmm. is in better shape than Bella at the end of Breaking at the end of Breaking Dawn Part Two, mm. like emotionally, which doesn't really make sense. He doesn't seem to be that upset about losing his parents. Yes, he does not seem to be that upset at all, which is so we'll talk about super that more fake, next but yeah, for sure. Um, but it seems like maybe Bella is, like, so broken at the end of giving birth to Renesmee. Yeah. Um, which is when she turns into a vampire. Like, she, her spine is broken. All of her ribs are broken. Yeah. Like. She's she, dead almost. Yeah, she's literally almost dead. Yeah. In, like, a very different way than Bo is almost dead. Like, yeah. she's not, like, bleeding out. Like, her organs are failing. Yeah. Because of the stress of supporting a half-vampire baby. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, there, there's her, no... Her, like, torso is open. Yeah. She's been, like, cut open. And, like, her, like, 
body mass is all the way down so like i don't even think maybe she didn't even have it in her to really scream i remember like i remember like her narration of of like the burning and like becoming a vampire is that she doesn't want to scream because she doesn't want to upset edward oh interesting but Edith, like, is also very upset by this, and Bo is like, I was, I was trying not to scream, but he still does. Yeah, he can't, he can't handle it. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like, that makes sense. It makes less sense that he's super in control. Some people say that that's, like, Bo slash Bella's superpower, like, apart from the shield, which we don't find out about in this book. Yeah. Um, but that's a speculation. I kind of don't believe that that's real. Yeah, so, um, Bo and Edith go hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't actually see that happen. We just... Um, kind of ha- see them have this conversation about like wanting to be together and like Edith is like a really real sad girl about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Bo keeps doing this thing <clears throat> where when Edith starts on one of her like little like ah, I did this to you like blah I hate myself like moments um, he like puts <laughs> his finger like over her mouth and she like is like silenced by him and I hate it. The third time <laughs> she he puts his entire <laughs> hand over her mouth and we're in the car driving and Sam goes, Wow, I can't believe that he just put his whole, whole fist, fist in, in her mouth. mouth. <laughs> but then she actually like is like, Don't do that again. She's like, If you ever do that again, I will bite you <laughs> Which is really funny. He is like Weirdly not sad about his parents. We get more of that in the next chapter, but on page 369, Edith is like, I've taken you from Charlie and Renee, blah, 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 and he's like, yes, it's hard. It's going to be hard for a long time, maybe forever, right? But why would I put that on you? Joss is the one who killed me. You brought me back to life. And it's like, that is very dismissive. He's clearly, like, not processing it, maybe. Yeah. But... He just seems, he's, he's, like, so excited to be a vampire. Like, he's, like, oh, my God, I'm so fast. Like, this is so much fun. Like, I can, like, hear and see all these things. Yeah. Um, which, like, granted, like, probably is super fun, but it's, that's all we're really getting out of him right now. It doesn't now. read the same as, like, it just doesn't really give me the same characterization as him and Bella because Bella's very anxious about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Even though she knows it's what she wants and mm-hmm. she knows it's going to happen, she's really anxious about, like, how people re- will react to her death mm-hmm. um and we don't in this chapter we don't learn about like how they're going to stage like Bo's disappearance and yeah death, whatever i mean in in breaking down like like bella doesn't really have to do that like she can just sort of disappear and like yeah. w- won't see any of those people ever yeah. again but she's but kind they, yeah they just will assume that she's still alive and just went away yeah so much better <laughs> yeah and like it, she, but she's even then she's still worried about. She's still that. worried about what people will think, and she's worried about like. I mean, she she was worried about getting married because she didn't want people to think that yeah. like she was pregnant. But like jokes on her. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like Bo doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care what anyone thinks, even though it's a much worse situation. Yeah, it is. as far as like public perception. Because, yeah, like he kind of gets the shorter yeah. end of the stick in terms of all of that, mm-hmm. and that will be explored later in the in the epilogue, but. So say at the end of Twilight, Bella could be saved, or Bella could be turned into a vampire, or Bella could die, whatever, all three options. Like, if Edward had stopped and given her the option then... She she wanted to change. I mean, she she talks about it, right? In the prom scene. It makes me wonder if, like, she in that moment would have been like, yeah, change me. Yeah, I feel like she she would have. Yeah. Um, She's not given that choice. She's not given the choice. I think that this, this... 
alternate ending to like the Twilight story is sort of shows how that would have played out. Maybe I think that it's one of the possibilities that Alice slash slash Archie sees mm-hmm. and that's why Edward is so angry. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, Don't tell her about it. Like she doesn't have to change right now and mm-hmm. they happen to get there in time where she doesn't actually have to change yeah. right then, but And Edith talks about how, in the same way that Edward does, like, Edith's plan, which is a stupid plan, and Bo says so. Bo says that's a stupid plan. (laughs) Um, Like, he verbatim says, like, that's a horrible idea or something like that. Is like, oh, like, well, what I would have done is, like, I would have grown old with you, or you would have grown old, and and I I would have been there. there, And, like, I would have been your caretaker as you got older, and, like, we would be together for as long as it was appropriate and then i just would have been then i would have killed myself your pal at the and then i would have killed myself when you died and Bo is like that's fucking dumb that's so stupid <laughs> it's like thank you it is so yeah there's a lot of differences and i highly recommend if you haven't read life and death even though we've just given you a lot of the information you should absolutely check it out for yourself because it is a absolutely wild ride Mm -hmm. try to get it from a secondhand store if you can so you don't give any more money to stephanie (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we'll do one more episode next episode will be our last one Mm -hmm. we'll talk about the epilogue and we'll probably just talk about the book as a whole it's uh it's something we'll probably talk about the title Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely but yeah i changed my um instagram bio it used to be since i'm going to hell i might as well do it thoroughly which is a line from twilight that has been adapted into the movie as since I'm going to hell, um, after he's like, I'm breaking all the rules anyway. Yeah. Um, I changed it from that because, like, I'm rebranding. <laughs> um, and I changed it to There Was Something Better Than Sunshine. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's you. It's and it's me. I'm better than sunshine. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see you next time when we next discuss time. the epilogue. Um, be there, be square, because it's very interesting. It sure is. <laughs> And if you think that that was a lot... Yeah, just you wait. (laughs) Just you wait. Uh, But for now, that's all for us. Thank you for listening to Gender Forking. To stay updated about the podcast or to contact us, follow us on Twitter at at genderforking or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash genderforking. For more Twilight content from us, you can follow our blog at bowlingshirtbellas.tumblr.com. If you haven't read Life and Death and you aren't reading along at home, visit bowlingshirtbellas.tumblr.com slash genderforking for plot summaries and more information about the text. For other inquiries, you can email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. The music you are hearing is Thursday and Snow Reprise by Blank Kit.